0: Welcome once again to Exploring the Scriptures presentation of the Old Testament with Dr. Ron Bartholomew. Here is Dr. Bartholomew. I just wanted to mention that this broadcast is presented to the facilities of Golden Gems Radio. They can be found at www.goldengems.net and they feature each week the life of the music of one of the greatest artists of the Golden Days of Radio in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. With music with music. I'd like to invite you to listen to them today for our Old Testament class. We're going to study the books of Hosea, Micah, and Second Kings 14 to 20, the Kingdom of Israel and the Last Ten Tribes. I need to say something before I start. These chapters are sad. Uh, the, the Old Testament is actually a, really a sad book, and so is the New Testament because they talk about the demise of the people. In the Old Testament, the people be, the people, almost become extinct. In the New Testament, they do as well. The Book of Mormon and the, 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 is the same with the Lamanites and the Nephites. Now you'd, you'd ask yourself the question, why so much sadness? Why so much devastation? Why so much destruction? The purpose for the Lord to show this to us is so that we can avoid it. If we don't listen and obey the words of the Lord, we will be destined to have the same fate as they had. That's not not something that we want to have experience. So it's my hope that through sending these books, we can learn from their bad mistakes, their bad examples, and put forth good ones instead. It's hard to remember this on a day-to-day basis. This is why the prophet is to read the scriptures day-to-day, day, every day, at least a few minutes a day, so you can remember what happens when people choose not to follow the Lord. During the time of Hosea, the Israelites were influenced heavily by the worshiping ways of the Canaanites. The sophistication of the city-based Canaanite farmers who, who surrounded them the fertility of their flocks and fields, which was apparently elicited from the gods and goddesses of fertility, attracted the Israelite farmers. The Israelite farmers wanted to have their farms succeed the same way that the Canaan farmers, farmers, farmers succeeded. This is very, very dangerous because it led the Israelites into false worship. Similarly, in our day, we have people around us that are very successful financially. They are making tons of money. As I've watched the building of homes in my lifetime, they've doubled and tripled and quadrupled in size, many by people who are not are not devout followers of our faith. And so the book of Hosea is, was meant, and Micah as well was meant to teach the people They can have more success as they follow the Lord. But the success in following the Lord is not temporal success. It's spiritual success. And it lasts forever, not just for this lifetime. That sometimes is very hard to to differentiate. The rights by which the people supplicated the gods of fertility were lewd, licentious, and immoral in every way. I could talk a lot about the the gross trials and the the gross worship of the king's but I won't I would not do it. Even though Israel had covened at Sinai to become a kingdom priest and a holy nation to God, by the time of Hosea, God's people had become deeply involved in the practices of their neighbors, whose ways of life should have repelled them completely using the familiar imagery of marriage the lord to hosea taught his people that too though they had been unfavorable to him though they had been unfavorable to him yet he would still not divorce them cast them off if they would but turn back to him i think the message of hosea is that the lord is very patient with us he tries really hard to give us the benefit of the doubt he tries really hard to coax us along and, and, and lead us along if we'll just follow him. Though Isaiah speaks of a nation, the same principle is told true for individuals. Even those who have been grossly unfaithful to God can reestablish their relationship with him if they'll turn back to him with full purpose of heart. Nephi said that to understand the writings of Isaiah, one has to understand the Jewish ways of prophesying. The same is true of Hosea, because he, like Isaiah, made extensive use of metaphors and symbolism. In fact, the book of Hosea cannot be understood unless you understand the symbolism that he's using. One metaphor that is central to Hosea's message is that of marriage. Marriage is something that used to be common in every culture. In our days, it's becoming less called less common, but it was common for many, many years. Throughout history, every culture has prescribed ways to celebrate the covenants of marriage. Because most people had personal knowledge of marriage, they, they were married. They understood the Lord better when the prophets used marriage terms to describe symbolically the covenants God made with them and they with him. When we marry in the temple, we make covenants with our spouse, covenants to be faithful, covenants to keep the God's commandments, covenants to stay true to the church and to the teachings of it. Thus, the covenant relationship between Jehovah and his people Israel was likened to the relationship between a man and his wife, or a wife and her husband. In the symbolic marriage covenant, God is the husband in Israel, the covenant of people is the bride. God wrote Israel in the covenant of Abraham. Come back in Genesis seventeen. The covenant was renewed with Moses' people at the foot of the Mount Sinai. Isaiah 54, verse 5 reads, For thy maker is thy husband. And Jeremiah 3 14 reads, For I am married unto you. The Lord wanted us to understand that He was the husband and we are the wife symbolically in this covenant relationship. Further references to God's role well as husband in the covenant are found in Jeremiah 3.20, 31 and even in Revelation 19, verse 7. When Israel turned away from her husband to worship other gods, she broke those covenants. When we turn away from our God and worship other gods, or, or don't worship anyone at all, we also break the covenant. I look at my neighbors just in the little ward that I live in. So many of my neighbors have left the church because of its stand on homosexuality, or its stand on gays, or they've just left because they're no longer interested. That, my friends, is breaking the covenant that we made with Jehovah. The covenant we made when we were quote-unquote married to him through our temple covenants. I wish I had the words to describe how important these covenants are. I don't have the words to describe it, but they're that important. The scripture says in Hosea, She hath committed great whoredoms, departing from the Lord, and hath played the harlot. That's what the book of Hosea teaches, and that is the truth. Was Hosea actually commanded to marry a harlot? No. In the very first chapter, he, he shows himself marrying a harlot. He doesn't really marry one. That would be contrary to the character and nature of God. He, Of course he doesn't do that. Sidney B. Sperry said that Hosea never actually could contract such a marriage. He defended his viewpoint with an authoritative argument that seems authoritative to Latter-day Saints. He said, quote, Lord calls Hosea to take on a high, high, high woman to wife and represents the Prophet's call to the ministry. A ministry to an apostate and covenant breaking people. So Hosea's marriage to the harlot is, is compared to our relationship to the Prophet if we follow if we do not follow our covenants. The evil children of this apparent union represent the coming of the judges of the Lord upon Israel. Warning of which was to be carried out by the, to the people by that prophet. In Hosea chapter 1 verses 1 to 4, we read, quote, In Hosea's narrative, Gomer bore the husband, three children, two sons and a daughter. Now, Gomer is a harlot. Homer, Hosea, is not. In the In the story, he marries this marries this harlot, and they have three three. Supposed children, two sons and a daughter. The names of the children appear to symbolize the destruction that will come upon Israel because of her idolatrous, or rather adulterous, ways. That is, the children, the judgments, are the natural results of Israel's har- harlotry and righteousness. The name of the first child is Jezreel, it is the same as the valley of the former King Jehu's bloody, bloody purge, of her geno- for shadows. Israel's overthrow in that strategic valley. It is a valley overlooked by Megiddo, and famed for crucial battles past and in the future. The Battle of Armageddon will happen there. Jezreel means "God shall sow" or "scatter abroad." Sensationally, sowing was done by casting handfuls of seeds. It alludes to the overthrown scattering of Israel. What a sad story, my friends. What a sad, sad story. But Israel was overthrown. Hosea chapter one, verses six to ten, we read, quote, the name Lor L- L- Maha in Hebrew means in Hebrew means not having obtained mercy, and suggests that no amount of mercy from God would set aside divine justice and save northern Israel the ten tribes will be taken care of even another way, which they were. Then even the third child, Loami, in Hebrew means not my people, is like a lament and shows that by their harlotry, Israel could not be thought of as God's people. Can you imagine not being counted as God's people because of your harlotry? Yet they were not counted as God's people because they broke the covenants they made with him. With the last two symbolic names, the Lord predicted the negative results of sin. But in the next verse, he held out a promise of hope. This is Hosea chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. This is such a sad story. It's hard for me to, to even to, to read it to you, but I, I have to because it's part of our curriculum. So sad. So sad. Hosea chapter 1. These books are small, so it's hard to find them. <laughs> Verses seven to 10, ten. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, and will save them by the Lord their God. Will not save them by how by bone or by sword or my battle, by horses or by horsemen. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be the says the center of the sea, which can't be measured nor numbered. And shall kinda of pass the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people. There I shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. So the Lord prophesies that in the future he will one day save Israel and there is a great promise of hope there. Throughout the book, Hosea used the device of interweaving the promise of destruction or a curse with the promise of future restoration to favor, to give the children of Israel hope that if they were to repent, they could be saved. It's sad to retell the destruction of, of Israel, but I'm going to do it just to, to keep the context of the story. In the United Kingdom of Israel, the glory days were during the days of David and Solomon, where all two tribes were united. After Rehoboam, the king was divided because of his greed. The northern king reversed idolatry under the reign of Jeroboam. Such a sad, sad, sad story the the demise of the kingdom of Israel in 1st Kings chapter 10 verse Kings chapter 12 we read Rehoboam seeks to propose seeks to impose greater burdens upon the people the ten tribes of old and turn to Jeroboam Jeroboam turns to idolatry and worships false gods so the children of Israel revolt against Rehoboam, and ten tribes leave. But those ten tribes become idolaters because their king turned them to idolatry. It's such a sad, sad story. And it has a likening to our day. First, let read this and I'll talk about our day. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the king of David shall return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So Jeroboam was afraid that their people were going to return to Rehoboam. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem at the temple, behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel and the other one he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the little one, even to Dan. And he made a house of high places, and he priests with the lost of the people, which was not the sons of Levi. And so Jeroboam goes against the, the priesthood. He goes against everything that's holy and sacred of Israel to keep the people away from Rehoboam. And he made a house of high places and made priests of the lost people who are not the sons of Levi. The priests aren't even from the Levites. Well, this, of course, leads to the, the demise of Israel. In Second Kings 17 we read, now you might be wondering, what does this have to do with our day? A lot. Let me read this first, then, then we'll talk about what it has, has to do for our day. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria, he took Samaria, and carried his away into Assyria, and placed him in Halah, in harbor by the river of Gozan, in the city of the Medes. For so it was, in the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them out of the land of Egypt, front of the hand of Pharaoh the king of Egypt and of the gods, and walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. And the children of Israel did, not, did secretly those things which were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all the cities, from the Lord of the watchmen to the fenced city. They set them up images, and groves in high, on the high hill, and every green tree. And then they burnt incense to all the high places, and did the heathen unto the, whom the Lord had carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to report the Lord their God to anger. For they served idols, wherein the Lord had said unto them, "Ye shall not do this thing. And the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and statutes according to the law which I have commanded your fathers, which I sent to you by my sword to the prophets. Now saying they would not hear, but harden their necks like to the neck of their fathers. They did not believe the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenants which he had made with their fathers. His testimony is when she testified against them. They followed vanity. They became vain, and went about after the heathen. They were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them. They should not do like them. They left all the commands of the Lord their God, and made them all in the images, even two calves, made a grove, worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served all. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire, and used divination and enchantments, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel, and moved them out of his sight. There was none left but the terror of Judah only. And also, Judah came not the commandments of the Lord their God, who walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. The Lord rejected all that sea of Israel, and afflicted them, and threw them into the hand of the spoilers until he had cast him out of his sight. For he ran Israel with, one, with the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the king of Naboth, and Jeroboam drove Israel for following the Lord, and made the sin a great sin. Such a terrible thing that they did. For the children of Israel walked, in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, he departed not from them, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said unto the Proph- to the source of the prophets. So is Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto, this, unto the, to this day. So we see a great apostasy in Israel. First in the kingdom of Israel and in Jeroboam, but later in the kingdom of Judah as well. And so the, the, lost, the ten tribes became lost, or they became taken captive by the Assyrians and they went to Assyria. It says in the scriptures, even unto this day, of course, once the Assyrians took the 10 tribes captive, they are scattered throughout the world, and they're, they're everywhere now, they're scattered throughout the world. And Judah was taken captive to Babylon. Then later they were released from Babylonian captivity and tried to rebuild the temple. But when the Savior is born, they're just as wicked. Hezekiah, the king of Judah, escapes Assyria. He also escapes death, but does so, much with much to the dismay of the prophet. Now this is one of the saddest stories in the scriptures because Hezekiah was a righteous king at first. He did the right things. He really, really tried hard to serve the Lord. The prophet told him he was gonna die. He went to the prophet and said, he went to the Lord and said, please let me live. So he lives, but that was against the will of the Lord. There's a great lesson we can learn from, from Hezekiah and that is to not do to, do to the Lord the will of the Lord even until you die who had the greatest prophet in Israel who really tried hard to turn the people to the Lord dies against the Lord's will during Hezekiah's extra 15 years the 15 years that he begged the Lord for his wife bore a son Manasseh who became the heir to the throne Manasseh began to rage, rage, reign at age 12 and ruled for 55 horrible years He was the worst king Israel ever had. He had the Prophet Isaiah murdered the tradition traditions that he cut him in half. The religious reforms of his father. He erected altars to Baal, installed idols on the temple, burned his sons to death on these altars. He appealed to wizards for spiritual resurrection and hid the scriptures from his sight. His evil influence was a principal cause of the eventual destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. If Hezekiah, who was a righteous man, would have just listened to the Lord when Isaiah came to him and said, You're going to die, let himself die, that would have been one thing. But he tried to change the will of the Lord. Whenever we try to change the will of the Lord, we're we're always going to be the ones that are suffering. Now let me take a minute and talk about how this applies to our day. Hosea was a great prophet who used the image of marriage to try to teach the people. What happens when When we're not not faithful to the Lord? We have a lot of people today who are trying really hard to be faithful to the Lord. I would guess the people in our class are trying hard to be faithful to the Lord. We have others who are relaxing their standards, who are letting the world take over their lives, who are letting money become their God instead of God becoming their God. I bear my testimony to you, my friends, that this is not the right way. This is the way to destruction. So always lead to destruction because... Money cannot be the God. Money is the worst God possible. Or we would say financial security or or finances, just however they come, stocks, whatever. Similarly, with Hezekiah, it's okay. It's one thing to turn to the Lord when you're young and to try to serve the Lord when you're young. When you get older, if you turn away from the Lord, if you try to change the Lord's mind, it's always going to lead to your destruction. It doesn't lead to Isaiah's, Hezekiah's personal destruction but his son leads leads Israel to destruction because of the way that he lived he was such a r- r- idolatrous and wicked man we, d- we don't know we do not know exactly what have happened to Judah had Hezekiah died as led by Isaiah but we do know Bishop John H vandenberg 1904 1992 has said quote, there have been some no men who unwittingly sought to counsel the Lord. One such man was Hezekiah. As one reviews his life, one wonders, Would it not have been better for Hezekiah to have submitted the Lord's will decree? So that he has an honor for thou shalt die. It would have been much better because he wouldn't have had Manasseh as a son, and Manasseh wouldn't have destroyed Israel. The example of the Savior Jesus Christ provides a striking contrast. to who resist God's will or attempt to alter it to conform to what they think should happen. Let me say it one time. The example of the Savior provides a striking contrast to those who resist God's will, or attempt to alter it to conform with what they think should happen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, facing His greatest test of suffering and imminent death, Jesus prayed to the Father, if that will remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The Lord has said, He that asks in the Spirit asks according to the will of God. We always need to make sure that whatever we ask is according to the Spirit of the Lord. It seems like my discussion in the Old Testament is becoming farther removed than it ever has before because of the world that we currently live in. My friends, be careful. Let me just share a couple of stories with you in relation to this that I think illustrate the story. In 1967, I know that was a long time ago, 67 was when I was just eight years old. Ida Romney, the wife of President Maranji Romney, experienced a, experienced a stroke. She stayed in the hospital for weeks. Her condition worsened despite prayers and priesthood blessings. President Romney realized the outcome of this condition could be death or a serious handicap. Yet he did not want to pray for her healing unless it was the Lord's will. He prayed in his search of scriptures for direction. One evening as he prayed to discover the Lord's will, he ended his prayer, Thy will be done. He seemed to feel a like heard a voice which said to him, It is not contrary to my will that I be healed. It is not contrary to my will that I be healed. It was almost two o'clock in the morning. He rushed to the hospital and blessed her and promised her that she would be healed, and she made a miraculous recovery. The other F. Burton Howard of the Seventy wrote concerning this experience: "By refusing justice for his favor without first ascertaining the will of the Lord, President Romney had annoyingly demonstrated the quality of his faith. For many of us, facing our own impending death or death of a loved one, will be a great test of our faith in the Lord. This is difficult for me to talk about because I have experienced a terrible." Healthiness to myself. I feel fine, but I have a hard time speaking. But, but as I've asked the Lord to remove it from me, He said no, and I, I don't ask you anymore. The example of Hezekiah is a warning that what, what we ask, what we not ask at that moment for our will to be done. Let me just say it one more time. The example of Hezekiah is a warning that we not ask for, at that moment for our will to be done, for our will to be done. We are to put the question of life and death into the hands of the Lord and pray on His will, trusting His standard love for each of us. We must pray with the attitude of the Savior, who by example has said, Father, that will be done, that Lord will be done forever. How difficult it must have been for President Romney not to pray for his wife's health at first, but just pray for the Lord's will to be done. It was when he finally submitted to the Lord's will that the Lord said it's okay if she be healed. For others of us, like myself, that is not the case. We just progress, just go ahead, move forward the best we can with what the Lord has given us. I just want to point to you that I know for myself that the writings of Hosea and Micah are, are from the Lord. They're very sad writings, they're very depressing, but the Lord is trying to teach us from bad examples how to do good. Um, let me just give you one more example before we quit. In the writings of Hosea, we see this false marriage, which wasn't really a marriage between him and Gomer, where these three children were born. You may ask, why were the three children They have a sign of what's going to happen in Israel, be born of a, of a harlot. Because Hosea was trying to teach the people that even though they had committed idolatry or harlotry with the Lord, they could still be his people if they'd repent. Similarly, in our day, it's not there for any of us. I know many of you stress and worry about your kids and their choices. They have their agency. Their agency unto themselves, and, and they... uh. They can do whatever they want but our good examples are the best way we can teach them i say this in the name of jesus christ amen thank you for being with us today for another segment of dr bartholomew's in-depth discussion of the old testament and how it applies to us and our lives this podcast is presented through the facilities of golden gems radio we invite you to join us on the internet at www.goldengems.net, where you will find presented each week a review of the music and career of one of the great musical artists from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when music was music in the golden days of radio. We look forward to being with you again next week for another discussion of the Old Testament with Dr. Bartholomew.